Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Before you, the demons. 
Would you stay, stay standing? Can we do that one more time? Um, can we make room? 
to worship? Like, not worship mouth. Worship, lay some things down. Surrender some things. And just allow God to do whatever he wants to do. Whatever that means for you. You know, sitting right there, standing right there, and these lies are coming into my head about some things. And then the song comes up. And, uh, man, I needed to lay some things down. And I, I don't, I don't want to just go, to, I don't want to just do church. I want to worship him. And I don't want that to be lip service. I want that to be life service. I want that to be Romans 12.1, right? Where we just, uh, <laughs> in view of God's mercy, right? We surrender it all and lay it all down. Would you do that? Whatever it is, whatever you're holding on to, whatever lies you're holding on, whatever tradition, whatever religion, whatever things the enemy's speaking to you, whatever the Holy Spirit's calling you to lay down. Can we just do that right now? Together? Right? Whatever you want 
turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5.21. There was a guy in uh, 2017, I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but uh, this guy went into a bank, he gave a note to the teller, and he said, uh, I've got a gun and demanded money from that teller. And so the teller responded, gave him money, and that guy took it and went out into the lobby and sat down. Police arrive, arrest him. They're kind of confused by it. Oh, why did you rob the bank if you're just going to sit right there? And the guy told him, 
well, I couldn't stand living with my wife any longer, so I wanted to get arrested. That was his reason, right? It backfired because the judge sentenced him to six months house arrest and three years of probation. True story. Today I want to talk about marriage. Uh, marriage takes work. And if you do not constantly cultivate it, right, you can find yourself feeling trapped, maybe thinking about getting arrested so that you can get away out. In our culture, you know the statistics, right? 50%, half of marriages end in divorce. And I can tell you God's Word tells, you, tells us that God hates divorce, right? But I want you to hear that in the right way. Because you know my story. You know divorce is a part of my past. And so when I hear that, right, I know that God's not saying I hate you. He's saying I hate the pain that comes from divorce and what our children have to deal with, right? Going through divorce, if you've been through a divorce, you know there's pain involved in all parties, right? Kids, people. And as, as a parent, you don't want that for your kids, right? And so as a heavenly father, that's why you hate that, because you don't want your children to go through that. The other statistic today says that only half as many people are even getting married today, right? There's half as many people who are taking that step because they're steering clear, of divorce, probably because of all the statistics about divorce and all the pain and, and everything that, that comes from that. The Bible tells us, though, that marriage is good, though, right? Anything that God has created, it's good. And I want us to remind us, I want us to be reminded of that today. Uh, as a church, we want to see marriages flourish for those that enter into it. For those who are married, we want to encourage you because no marriage is just perfect, right? And you can easily find yourself in a place where you're struggling. And I want you to know that that's not uncommon, right? But I also want you to know it doesn't have to be that way. And you can find that marriage is a beautiful thing and uh, uh, a thing that blesses and enriches your life right? Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? I, I, I want us to look at marriage today, what it is, how it works, and, and what it needs. Ephesians 5.21. Are you, are you ready for this passage? Amen. This is a super popular passage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same, same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body 
just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is God's word. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your teaching. Lord, we know that this is an institution that you created, and so you know what's best for us. Father, I pray that we would surrender our will for your will concerning all of this. Father, speak to us. Lord, I pray for the marriages that are represented here today. Lord, I pray that you would be in them, that you would be giving them hope, that you would be telling them of things to come that are amazing, Lord. Father, I, I know we have people looking at divorce right now. And Father, I pray that this message would get to them. Lord, I pray if, the, if there are marriages that are struggling, Lord, that we would surrender them at your feet. Father, I pray for the great marriages in here that you'd just make them even all the better. Lord, I pray for the spouses that aren't here today. Lord, would you bring them in? Would you unite these spouses together so that they can worship together, Lord? Father, we entrust this to you. We love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. This is an interesting passage. Some would say controversial, right? But it gives us great insight on marriage. It gives us biblical wisdom on marriage. First, what is marriage? What's the essence of marriage? Here, here the writer Paul right, quotes the Old Testament, verse 31. For this reason, a, a man will leave his father and mother, leave his father and mother, right? and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. That's a a quote from Genesis 2.24. Some of you might remember older translations that say, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, right? The Hebrew word is the word that basically means covenant. A covenant is this deep, exclusive, permanent, binding commitment. So, in essence, marriage is not a declaration or an announcement of my love for my spouse here in this moment. Instead, it is about this binding promise to this person to be one with them. A binding promise of my future love for them, for better or for worse, right? Declarations state, this is how I feel about you. And covenants state, this is what I'm promising to you, both now and forever. With covenant, if there are futures where you don't feel the warm and tingly feelings, right? When you're going through the the thin, it's the promise that I will love you even in those times, right? That's why we make all those vows in marriage. 
It's a focus on the future. This is completely at odds with our culture today, right? Recently, there has been a, a, a big push against monogamy. Our culture is, is not about covenant. Instead, it's about chemistry, right? Those feelings that we have. Our culture says there's a problem with marriage in the passion department because in order to have passion, you have to have chemistry. That's necessary. You need spontaneity. You need different, right? You need something new and fresh. And if you're committed to covenant, you're, you're not going to experience that. Marriage will stifle that. So you have some choices, right? You can cheat, both physically or you can get on the internet. You can, you can trade in for a, a different model. Or you can open your marriage up. That seems to be becoming more and more popular today. Chances are, if you are married and you've been married for some time, you, you might come to the place where you question, do I love this person still? Am I still in love with this person? Our, our culture prioritizes chemistry, right? And that's why marriages don't make it today. People think they fall out of love. But the Bible tells us a, a, a different story and one that places covenant far above chemistry. Two become one. Not two become joined just. They become one in covenant. If you've been married a while and somebody comes up to you and asks you uh, about the first time you ever kissed your spouse, do you remember back to that time? And if they, if they would ask you, how does that compare to today? Does it have the same thrill? You guys might, right? Approaches <laughs> might. They're crazy. Good. Crazy good. But maybe some of the other us would say, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have that same thrill. The chemistry people would point to that and say, see? There, there's the problem, right? But the covenant people would understand something else, something different, right? You see, the, the first time that you have that first kiss, uh, you have that thrill because it comes from your ego. That, that's where it comes from, because it's largely about you. That's why you're so excited, right? What's so exciting is this person that you think is beautiful, this person that you think is great, this person that you really like, right? They are responding to me. They like me, Right? They're into me, and it fulfills our need for affirmation, and it feels wonderful. This really amazing person likes me. But love goes far beyond that, right? To actually love someone and covenant with someone is to be absolutely committed to that person, to somebody else's joy, right? It switches, from all about us, our ego, to somebody else's happiness. So much so that you'd cut off your right arm, right? In order for them to be happy. You'd die for them. You'd take your illness, their illness in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? If you could, for that person. That's incredible passion, right? That's covenantal passion. But it doesn't come with the butterflies, Think about this. You, you can have a night of passion with someone, right? You can have butterflies with someone, but
but not be willing to sacrifice anything for that person. And what's that point to? What does that all show you? It shows you that chemistry is all about you. And covenant is about that other person. Right? So how does this passion develop? It, it takes time. You have to grow in it, right? You have to get to know who somebody really is. It takes a season of making sacrifices. It takes a season of walking through difficulties to shift from chemistry passion to covenant passion. It's a great shift because when you become one and commit to that, covenant with that, you de- your desires shift to focus in on that person. They're a part of you. And you want what's best for them. You want them to flourish even if it means or costs you something. That's real, lasting passion, right? And that's far better than temporary chemistry. The, the essence of marriage is covenant. That's what we have to understand, not chemistry. And I would say that it is far better. Okay, what's the purpose of marriage? Here's where we get into the fun stuff. It cleanses and it meshes. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What is Christ's purpose when he comes to you, right? He comes to save you, and he comes to change you, right? Change is huge. He's coming into your life because basically, spiritually, you're twisted. You're bent. You're bent towards selfishness, right? We're, we're blemished spiritually, and he wants us to make us, he wants to make us spiritually brilliant and beautiful, and similarly, we're told that this is kind of the basis for marriage, right? That, that your spouse comes into your life and helps you to become the person that Christ wants you to be, that Christ is making you to be, to help you on that path. That's an amazing call on marriage. Have you embraced that role with your spouse, right? Our, our culture completely misses that. In our culture, we want to marry somebody that is what? Not going to change us. That's horrible if the person that we marry wants to change us. No, they should instead accept us just as we are. I'm good the way I am. Just accept it. That's our culture. The Bible paints a very different picture, though, for us, right? The picture says, I'm not good, I'm flawed. I'm deeply selfish, right? I've got all kinds of problems going on in my life, and I'm not even close to being the person that God has created me to be. That's what you realize when you're married, right? Is there anything better to teach you that you're selfish than when you get married? i got some areas where I need to work on, right? That's what you realize. But, but marriage, here's the cool part. But marriage is like fellowship. Marriage is this intense, unique fellowship where your spouse comes to you and says, I love you. I know you have flaws, right? But I see what Christ is doing in your life, and I'm excited about that, and I want to partner with you in that endeavor. I want to help you on this path 
and I want you to help me on this path because I want us, when we stand before Christ, to stand before him blameless, right? As best as we can. We're one. With chemistry, you just want to use that person to get what you want, to get the thrills, right? To make you happy. But in covenant, you want that person to be the best version of themselves because you're going to stand together before God, right? Is there cleansing going on in your marriage? Is there change? Is there growth? Are you promoting that? Are you encouraging that in your marriage? If there is, if there is, expect some confrontation, right? Expect some confrontation. Does your spouse have permission to speak to you in truth and love? Does your spouse have that permission? That's hard. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't always welcome that, right? I don't know if I take it all that well. If we don't want to change, we'll take offense at that, and that will drive a wedge between us, right? If we're hoping to be changed, though, if we truly desire to be changed, to grow, then we'll welcome that if it's done in the right way, right? Not in a, in a nagging way, not in a disrespectful form, ladies. Ladies, men need respect. We talked about this in Sunday school. It's the last verse that we read, right? God's word calls you to respect your husbands. We don't need to be cherished. We don't, really. We just need to be respected, How do you talk about your husband? Right? What do you communicate amongst other people? What do you communicate to them? Uh, Do you respect them? Men, we're called to cherish our wives. Cherish. Uh, Are we doing that? Do, Do we act like we're stuck with them? Stuck with the old ball and chain, right? Or do we cherish them? Do we show them how important, how loved they are? Are are they at the top of our list, right? How does she feel? Are we just chasing after her to get something? Or are we concerned with presenting her before our Lord? Both spouses, we, we, we often think more about how our spouse needs to change in order to please us, right? This is what they're doing wrong. That, that's what consumes our thoughts all too often. But maybe we need to move that inward and say, what do I need to do? What do I need to focus on? Am I respecting my husband? Am I cherishing my wife? Am I encouraging spiritual growth in, in that person? Right? A good marriage is like a gem tumbler. You, you put these gems with these sharp edges together in this tumbler, and they roll around, and what do they do? They smack off those sharp edges until they become smooth and brilliant and beautiful. That's what we need to be about. That's what we need to give permission to our spouses to do with us. Another purpose of marriage is that it meshes you. In in this passage, we see the the different roles for men and women, and they are different, right? The Bible takes and, and, and shows us that Gender differences are, are good. There's a reason behind them, and we need to take them seriously, right? Again, 
completely opposite with our culture today. Our culture more and more says that women and men are the same, right? Men somehow can have babies. I don't know how that works. I can't figure that one out. But our culture says that there's no differences. We're, we're, we're the same. We can be the same, right? And, and it fights for that. But that's not how it is in the Bible. Equal value, yes, but different roles, different genders. There's a, there's a purpose behind that. Men and women are different. What, what the Bible does is it purposes for genders to complement each other, right? And mesh together in a marriage for the health and the enrichment of that marriage. It, it does this through a very controversial in our time period principle of headship. Wives... Submit to your husbands, right? Husbands, love your wives. I, I dare you to put that on Facebook. It actually came up in Sunday school. They, they, they handled it really well, though. But put that on Facebook and see how that goes. As a culture, we reject this. As Christians, we know this, but we're not always the quick to present this. But this is how God created us. This is what God teaches us. This is his plan for how marriages work, Right? And if we will not follow it, we're going to have some problems. Wives, let your husbands lead, right? That's what you're called to do. If you don't agree with your husband on something, let him have the final say. As long as it doesn't lead you away from Christ. As long as it lines up with the Word of God, right? Let me put that caveat in there. But if you disagree with something, let him have the final say. People think that this is all in favor of the guys, right? And maybe when I said that, you're getting a little bit nervous, right? But hold on, wives, because this is actually in your favor, right? It is. The Bible is going to turn this around in a heartbeat because the man can't use that authority to please himself. It's got to be focused on his wife and cherishing her and loving her, right? Because that's what it says. Men, you're to love your wives. How are you to love your wives? As Christ loves the church. Okay, so men, you get to lead, right? But you have to do it in a way that shows love to your wife. You have to follow Jesus' example with the church. You have to sacrifice. You have to die, right? For the church, for your spouse, in whatever way that means. That's what Jesus did. He served. He served, right? Continually. He served, he sacrificed, and he laid down his life. He put the church in front of himself in terms of priority. So the man's role is to put his wife ahead of himself, his wife's relationship with Christ ahead of himself. He gets to make the call, but it should always be in her best interest. This passage as a whole is a great thing. It gets taken out of context, though. All too often, right? Guys can really be abusive with this. I, I make the rules, Ephesians 5.22, right? But you wives, your response should be yes, but remember 5.25, right? You do that out of love for me and sacrifice. In a silly way, maybe this looks like you want to buy a car. Husbands, you can't agree. Wives, you can't agree. Wife wants a red SUV car. Man wants a blue sedan. Wives, you let him choose. Okay, it's your call. We can't agree. Husbands, you choose the red car, though. Right? 
You do what's best for your wife. You, you take into account her desires, important. You also take into account finances. You also take into account, most importantly, is this going to lead away from Christ or, or towards Christ? You know, if it's not a matter of that, though, you buy the red car. With authority comes real responsibility. Pure and simple, right? All things being equal, get that red car because it's our job to sacrifice. Guys, it's our job to do the crappy jobs in a relationship, right? It's our jobs to, to serve. Guys, it's also our responsibility, though, that when we see our wives heading away from Christ, to stop that, to call that out, to lead her in a different direction. Are we doing that? Are we even focused in on that? That's a tremendous responsibility. Don't give that up. We started watching a show recently. I really liked the show. First episode we watched. And my wife pointed out, man, that show's got a lot of swearing in it. I really liked that show. I really wanted to watch that show. With headship, I get to make the call. But I better make it for what's best for her and best for the family. So we're not going to watch the show, right? And I'm glad about that. I don't take that in a resentful way. And I'm glad she pointed that out, right? Because that wasn't even on my radar. But that was the right thing. Purpose of marriage, right? What it does, it cleanses and it meshes. Guys, I think we, uh, we do our job in this manner. I think if we do this job well, I think we'll get a lot of respect from our spouses. I think the potential is there, uh, which is what we want, right? Thirdly, what does marriage need? Here's, here's the big part of my message. Verse 21, it takes you submitting to each other. Easy, right? No, right? How, how can we honestly do that? Side note, if, if you're single and you're listening to this message, I meant to say this earlier, right? Um, this, this is all about relationships, period. There's a lot of good stuff in here, you know, that you can apply to your relationship with God. How, how do we submit to each other? How do we have that mindset, though? The only hope we have, the only hope we have is out of reverence for Jesus Christ, right? Reminds me of Romans 12.1. In view of God's mercy, Right? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true form of worship, right? It's only when we have a real sense of God's love in our heart that we can hope to live this verse out and really serve our spouse. This, this passage is right after Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only hope we have because the Holy Spirit does a couple things. It reveals God's love for us, right? In John 16, 14, Jesus is talking about when the Holy Spirit comes and he says, he will guide you, right? He will tell you what is to come and he will glorify me. Have you ever thought about that, what that last part means? The Holy Spirit, we know, reveals truth, right? The truth is that Jesus died for you on a cross, that's the truth that is revealed. But when the Holy Spirit comes and gives glory to Jesus Christ, it, he reveals, do you, do you know why he did that for you? Because of his great love for you. You don't know, you don't understand how much God loves you until the Holy Spirit reveals that and brings glory to Jesus. 
That's why it burns in your heart, right? The Holy Spirit reveals truth and makes things come alive to you. That's how you, you're, you're able to grasp by just how deep and wide his love is for you, right? That's why we're amazed by grace. That's why we sing songs about God's grace. That's why we tell other people about it. I think we all can testify to how amazing God's grace is, but that's only because the Holy Spirit reveals it and glorifies him. And you need to see that it's only through that, rever- that revelation and that reverence to Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit that that's the only way we can submit to each other. Without that, it's impossible. My friends, our marriages are desperate for that. Our marriages are desperate for that. Are you submitting to your spouse? Can, can you just ask yourself that question right now? Are you submitting to your spouse? Wives, respect. Husbands, cherish. Well, which comes first? My, my wife doesn't respect me, so I don't feel like I really want to cherish her. Well, my husband doesn't cherish me, so why would I respect him? Which comes first? Who leads? Guys, it's on us. We go first, right? We should all, though, focus in on what we need to change in our relationship. We should all focus in on what God is calling us to do and not what God is calling our our wife to do or our husband to do. In marriage, you are going to have thick times, good times, right? You're also going to have the thin times. How you handle those thin times cannot be based on what you get from your spouse, right? If it is, you won't have anything to give. If your spouse is the main source of happiness and love in your life, then when your spouse criticizes you or your spouse has a problem with you, you're going to withdraw, you're going to wither, and you are going to have nothing to give back. You're going to be miserable, right? God forbid, in those moments, you're going to be tempted with chemistry to look somewhere else. We can't do that, though. But what if the main source of your happiness, what if the main source of your joy is based instead on what you get out of your relationship with Jesus Christ, right? What if it's based on that? It'll overflow, and you'll have oceans to give. Married or not married, that's what we all need, right? Jesus Christ as our true bridegroom, Think about this. What happened in Genesis when we rejected God, right? We rejected him. What was his response? It wasn't, they rejected me. Forget them. I'm, I'm done with them. They aren't being the spouse that, that they should be, so I'm not going to be the spouse that I should be, right? No, he doesn't say that. The Bible tells us that God pursues us, that Jesus came to this earth, emptied himself, submitted himself, right? Went to the, gra- the, the cross and gave himself up so that our relationship could be restored. Is that look like your marriage? Are you willing to do that? Right? When he was on the cross looking at his spouse who betrayed him, aka us, we nailed him to the cross. We were mocking him. 
we were horrible spouses. And what was his response? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you pray that prayer about your spouse? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right? My friends, we didn't deserve anything. And yet he still loved us. He still died for us. That's covenant. That's a covenant relationship. Is that better than chemistry? Absolutely. Right? Do you have that with your spouse? No matter what, right? Within reason? Will you respond with love like Christ did to the church? We have to act out of the gospel in our marriage. The gospel has to be our guide. We don't do this because our, our spouse is lovely, right? Sometimes they're not lovely. Sometimes I'm not lovely, right? But we act in this way so that they become lovely. That's our hope, right? That's why we sacrifice, because that's what Jesus did for us. Amen? Marriage is a profound mystery. I think we can all say that, that, have, that are married, that have been married. But I'm talking about Christ and the church, right? Is your marriage in Christ? Is your marriage based on the gospel? If it's not, will you get it there? Will you respond like Christ? Will you see it in that respect? Marriage is a profound mystery. It's a profound mystery because it's hard. It's difficult, right? Is your relationship with God hard? Yeah, it is. That's to be expected. Is it also glorious, though? Yeah. Is it the most rewarding thing? Yeah. Right? So can your marriage be if you submit to one another. Marriage should point to the gospel. Does how you love your spouse, does how you treat your spouse point to the gospel? It should, right? If you want a, a good marriage, it needs to. I'll give you a couple statistics early on. I want to give you one more, and I'm going to end with this. There's one thing that you can add to your marriage. And if you add it to your marriage, it will take your chances of divorce from 50% to under 1%. 1% of couples who do this that are married end in divorce. 1%. 75% of those couples who do this say they have an amazing marriage. Sounds pretty good, right? I'm going to tell you that, and you're going to be like, oh. Those 1% pray together daily. Those 1% pray together daily. Can I challenge you with that? I know. Oh, awkward. <laughs> oh, gosh. I was hoping you'd say, I don't know, take you out to dinner or go on dates, right? That's good, too. Pray together daily. That's my challenge to you. Will you do that? For the next, let's do it for the next month, for the rest of this month. Let's just get together and let's pray. And I'm not going to pray, Lord, would you help my wife to not be nagging on me all the time, right? 
She never nags. That's why I can joke about it. I wouldn't joke about something that was real, right? But when you pray for your, with your spouse, would you pray for you? Lord, would you help me to cherish my wife and communicate that? Would you help me to submit to my wife as your word calls for, right? And then if Adavi asked me, hey, would you pray for my temper? Yeah, I'll pray for that temper, right? Whatever she asks or whatever you ask, you have permission to do that. But would you make your prayer time together? But would you make your prayers focused in on what you need to change and what you need to do? I believe it'll have huge implications. I believe it can turn your marriage around completely if you're struggling. Amen? Amen. Would you stand? My gosh, think of the gospel when it comes to your marriage. Think about how Christ treated the church, guys especially, right? Are you willing to do that? If you are, man, it can have huge implications. And pray for your spouse. I know it's going to be awkward for some of you. I know it's going to be like Hope the first time she got up and prayed for everybody. But guess what? It's getting easier and easier. It's getting better and better. And God's using it more and more. That's the challenge. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your design and marriage, and I pray that we would be all about that. Father, I imagine there's some marriages struggling in this very building. I know there's some marriages out there looking at divorce. Father, I, I know it's not too late. And Lord, I pray that you do whatever it takes to humble us, to draw us back into relationship with our spouses and back in relationship to you, with you. Lord, bring healing where there needs to be healing. Lord, bring forgiveness where there needs to be forgiveness, Lord. Help us to submit to each other and help us to worship you by submitting to you. Lord, I pray for those who aren't married and they're hearing this message, would you remind us about our relationship with you? Would you remind us that there's a wedding feast for even us too in the end times, Lord, and that we are going to be in your embrace. And you, Father, are far more glorious than any other person, Lord. We look forward to that day, Lord, and we give you praise and honor. In your name we pray, amen.